Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Verse 7, you know, last week we talked about um, the disciples, they were concerned about who was the greatest. And Jesus, um, he brings this child in front of their midst, and he points to the child and says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like this little child. And then he he turns and he begins to talk about temptation. He first, he says, whoever receives one such child receives me. But then he says, whoever causes one of the least of these little children to sin, it'd be better if a millstone was hung around their neck and they were cast into the sea. It'd be better if they were dead than to cause one of these little ones to sin. And so Jesus begins to talk about temptation here. We all experience temptation. Um, We're all sinners. Ever since Adam and Eve in the garden, when Eve was tempted by the serpent and she partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam with her, they sinned and they brought death into the world there in the garden. They were cast out of the garden. And all of us have inherited this sin nature from Adam and from Eve. We all feel the pull of temptation. We all do things that we don't want to do. And ultimately, we do things that we want to do, we don't want to want to do. Jesus here talks about temptation, and he, he says that it, if uh, it would be better to cut off your hand, to cut off your foot or to gouge out your eye, than to go to hell. Because of temptation. This seems like exaggeration. We've often maybe heard this called hyperbole or an exaggeration. I think what Jesus was getting at was very, very true. When you compare hell, eternal fire, experiencing torment forever... I don't think there's any exaggeration when Jesus was saying, if your hand causes you to sin, then cut it off and throw it from you because it would be better to go through life without a hand than it would be to go to hell. Jesus is calling for radical, radical measures in our fight against sin. Let's read what the text says. Starting in Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary for temptations to come. 
But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now as sinners. We have all faced temptation and we have all sinned. And we come to you asking for mercy and grace. We come to you asking for your help, your divine enabling as we fight sin together. Not sin on the outside, not sin that we might see in our culture or in other people, but sin inside ourselves. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Lord, be with me. Give me wisdom and grace as I speak. Lord, fill me with your spirit as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus starts out, woe to temptation. Woe to temptation. To, to, uh, for, to the world for those, for temptations of sin. He's, he's prophesying an an oracle of woe. He's, he's saying the world will be judged because of temptation to sin. But he also says it's necessary that temptations come. As I said, we all experience temptation. We have all sinned. We have all experienced temptation just like our first parents, Adam and Eve. We have uh, inherited this sin nature, and it is necessary. We all will face temptation. It's something that comes to all of us, and all of us, you can say at one point or another, but all of us every day, every single day, we fall into one sin or another. Not a day goes by. When we don't have some kind of sin to our thoughts or to our deeds, to our attitudes, the way we think about other people, our lives are pervaded by sin. And Jesus here says, woe to the world for temptations to sin. And woe to the one for whom temptations come. He's talking here about the causes of sin. What, do, what is it that causes us to sin? Jesus here says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out. He says that it is better to go into life with a hand missing, a foot missing, an eye missing, 
than to go into hell with a whole body. And he's right. And he's not exaggerating. But what we often don't get is it's not our hand and it's not our foot and it's not our eye that causes us to sin. It is our sin nature that we've been born with. We have a, what as John Owen described it, a principle of sin that dwells within us. And we can't cut that out. We, we have uh, James, in the book of James, in the, in the first chapter. Each person is tempted when he's brought out by his own desires. His own desires. Within our, sin comes from within. The causes of sin come within. Not from without. Not our hands. Not our feet. And not our eyes. We live in this world where there are things all over the place. And our media... Um, there was once a day when uh, if, if a young man wanted to, uh, to find some kind of illicit material, he had to go to some seedy part of town where, and hope that nobody saw him. And today, uh, a person can, uh, can get uh, explicit material anywhere they are because of the uh, internet and well, it's, the internet isn't a bad thing of itself. But it's what our heart does with that. Or alcohol, for instance. I've said before, alcohol is not what causes people to sin. Alcohol in and of itself, drinking a, a, a drink of alcohol, it's not sinful, but the Bible condemns drunkenness. So we, we, sometimes we might focus on the, the, the thing itself, the, the, the thing that, that seems like it's obvious, like, like alcohol or uh, pornography or some other external thing, when really what the matter is, it's our hearts. It's our hearts. We often point at the outside all the time. We look at things in our culture. We look at what's going on in politics or what's going on in the media and we point to the outside. But it's what's in our heart where the real problem is. And we can't cut that out. We're left in a dilemma. Now here, Jesus is saying we need to take radical, radical measures To keep from sin. There are some specific applications that we can make to obey this text. If a person is struggling with pornography, get away from it. Run away from it. If a person has it on their computer or something like that, get a filter, throw your computer away. Have you ever seen um, the movie Fireproof? Kirk Cameron plays a man in that movie that has an addiction to pornography. And he, uh, he's losing his marriage because of it. His wife won't even speak to him. And she's wanting a divorce. And then in the midst of all that, he gets saved. 
Someone witnesses to him at work and he, he trusts Christ as his Savior, but he's still struggling with this addiction and being set free from this. And one day he's thinking of all these things and he's, he's sitting in front of his computer and something pops up. And this is probably the climax of the movie. He takes his computer outside, grabs a baseball bat and starts bashing the thing in. That's obedience to what Jesus is saying right here. But there are other sins that it may not be so easy to do that with. You know, Jesus here was talking with his disciples about pride. He's, he's, he's just the previous verses, he says, if you want to be the greatest, make yourself low. Make yourself like this little child. And he's condemning the sin of pride. And then he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. How do we take radical measures with our pride? How do we take measures like that? Pride can send us to hell no, no, no slower, no, no uh, more efi- less efficiently than sexual immorality. What kind of radical measures can we take there? One thing is, James says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. And the book of John talks about light and darkness. We... we, uh, we as people, we love darkness more than light, John says in the, in the Gospel of John. John, 1 John chapter 1 talks about um, he who says he walks in darkness, or walks in light, but hates his brother is, is well, let me just, let me turn there because I'm starting to misquote things. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Confession. It's one way we can step from the darkness into light. We like to hide our sin. When the light flips on, we like to scatter like roaches and find a dark place. We want to hide our sin. James says to confess our sin. We are to uh, expose the deeds of darkness within us. That's why we need a church. 
We need the church to be a place where we can go to one another when we're struggling with pride or lust or greed or any sin and go to someone in the body and confess our sins. Not like we're earning our salvation by confessing, but this is just a part of being a healthy disciple of Jesus. It is not healthy for Christians to just hide something in a corner, to hide their sin and just live in darkness. What are the radical measures we can take in obedience to Jesus here? It would be better to destroy our own reputations and confess our sin before everyone than to go into hell in darkness. I'm not advocating that anyone go and just share your deepest, darkest secrets here at the front of the service, but find someone who you trust, who you can confess to, and who can help you, and who can pray with you. John Owen, the Puritan, he was... uh, commenting on Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 whenever he says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And Owen explains that be killing sin or sin will be killing you. We can't just cut our hands off as if that was a small thing. We can't gouge out our eyes. We have this Sin that dwells in us even after we become a believer. And it will be there with us until the day we are glorified and with Him. Every day that we live is to be a day where we are killing the sin within us. And we kill that by prayer, by praying that God would put to death by the Spirit that sin within us. We kill that by confessing it, by fighting alongside in community. And we kill that by worshiping Jesus. John Owen in that great book that I'm talking about, he talk, it's called Mortification of Sin. And he talks about all these different things of, of uh, that a person does. And he gets to the last chapter and he says, all these things that I've been talking about, that's not really the work of mortifying sin. The greatest work of mortifying sin is set faith at work on Christ for the killing of your sin. We are looking to Jesus. We're looking to Him. That's radical measures that we can take to fight our sins. By looking to Jesus. When something tempts us, open our Bible. We read about Jesus. We read about what he did for us. About how he suffered for us. And we think about what he must have experienced. And it draws us away 
from those temptations. We all fall into sin. We all fall into temptation. We have to fight every day. We have to take radical measures and we cannot give up the fight. We could give up the fight and if we give up the fight, we're like when Matthew tells us about the the, the path, the three soils, and there are some that fall on the path, the rocky soil, and they spring up, but they don't have any depths of root, and when the sun comes out, that's persecution, they shrivel up and they die. It's those that never really had any root. They, they made the appearance of being believers. And when it got tough, they fell away. It's not that they were saved and then lost their salvation. I don't believe that for a minute. But there are many who, when they hear about Jesus, they make a, an appearance of a conversion. But it was never really real. If we don't fight, if we give up on the fight, we're like those, see, that fall on that rocky soil. We have to keep fighting. Keep fighting. Never give up. Reminds me of that speech by Winston Churchill. His whole speech was never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up this whole speech. We have to keep fighting in our fight against sin within us. We fight by our community with one another. With one another. We, with our fellowship where we are having real relationships with people where we're confessing our sins to one another and we pray with one another and we pray that the Holy Spirit will kill that sin within us and we look to Jesus and we worship Him and we praise Him and we thank Him that His death was enough I may have sounded throughout this sermon like I have been heaping law on us. Like I've been emphasizing what we must do. What we must do in our fight. But the ultimate thing we have to do is we look to Jesus. We look to Him. About how He lived a sinless life. And he willingly went to the cross, had nails nailed into the palms of his hands and in his feet, and a sword stuck into his side. And all of that was for us. He didn't have to do that. He could have just let us go to hell without any chance of redemption. But he willingly left heaven the glorious place where He existed from all eternity beside the Father. He left heaven and came and dwelled among sinful human beings. 
He was mocked. He was crucified. And He died for us. That's glorious. And we look to that. Look to Jesus. And worship Him. Worship will change our hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook. Thank you.